It's the second cup of Joe and John with Joe Elvis and John Dwyer. Among the great things about Nashville, and we started this podcast, I, I knew there'd be a, a musical bend to this because of you uh, being in government cheese for since 1985. By the way, you play like two shows every five years, so you so you at least make sure you have a few hundred people at your shows, uh, right? I mean, you, that's your self-deprecating uh, excuse for for not you know having a show every year, but you're going to have a third show. We are. We're going to play the uh, Exit Inn coming up November 11. Mm-hmm. I think the Exit Inn is going away. It is. And so... Um, That's our special guest, by the way, which is, we have not introduced ooh, yet. And it's going to be a big one This is today. a good one. You if will we not talk want about to turn away. Rock Block History, uh, this man's written 90% of it. Uh, but we're going to play again on the Exit Inn. We only play about every five years because if we played all the time, no one would show up because they wouldn't buy our shit anymore. And so we, uh, we just do it once every five years and it's fun again. And, uh, but we'll do it again on November 11. But the, the larger story is the accident going away, which is uh, just historic. And before the mics kicked on, we were kind of jamming on what things that have gone away and just cool clubs are having a hard time surviving and stuff. And this seems to be one. Well, the, the thing about Nashville and the genres here is, you know, when I moved here in 96, People are like, well, what, you know, are you into country music? I said, well, I don't, you know, I know that's a scene there, but uh, gosh, we just, we, we cover it all. That's, that's among the one where we're a United Nations city. We have almost every country represented in our, in our metro school system. Um, people come here and they're like, well, you guys have some culture. You have some, you have some soul, some gravity. I'm like, yeah, yeah. What, what did you think this was? Freaking Robert's Western world, uh, cloned 38 times up and down, you know, every street. We're, we're better than that is my point. And today's guest is another example of what Nashville and what this area, uh, has produced. And, uh, so I'm excited about this. We're going to talk about Nashville rock and roll. And rock on! we have one of the, one of the the, the hardest rockin' playing guitarist uh, that you can find, Warner E. Hodges, this morning. And I think, Warner, the best line that has described you is that you are the V8 engine beneath the hood of a 69 Mach 1 on that guitar. <laughs> and so... I hope so. Uh, that sounds awesome. We uh, When Warner straps that guitar on, things come alive. So Warner Hodges, our guest on the second cup of Joe. And John! Warner, welcome... People. Let's take a spin through Joe and John's Rolodex. And it's a blessing for me to have you here because uh, Jason and the Scorchers, uh, which put you on the map, yeah. predated government cheese, and we enjoyed watching you play. And it's been great to uh, kind of come to know you and share in the same stage with you at times. So Absolutely. you're looking terrific. And uh, let's talk about, I just got my CD uh, I ordered off your website the other day. I tried Dude, to order a shirt. You, you were out of my size. Why didn't you ask me? I could have just gave you a CD. You didn't have to order one off the website. Because that's that what all my friends do to me. Can't you just give me one? I was like, I, Dude, I, if I you're understand. my friend, you could really buy one. And I understand. I, so um, talk about the gig that's going on now. You've got a nice solo uh, yeah, tour I, that you've been doing and going to continue doing. I had I had played, you know, in Jason and the Scorchers. This year would be forty years, I guess. 40, wow, forty one. I don't know. Uh, I guess New Year's Eve would be forty one. All right, that was the first gig forty years ago. Eighty yeah. eighty one that become eighty two. Okay, uh, with the band that would, with the band <laughs> that, that would be New Year's Eve. Yeah, with the band <laughs> that everybody knows. Our first gig with Perry Bags. Our original sure. our second drummer but the, mm-hmm. the drummer that everybody knows our first gig was a new year's eve gig 81 to oh, 82 man. at ko jams i think in Terrific. murfreesboro was that so perry's on dr- uh, drums jeff johnson on bass, bass. you on guitar and of yeah. course jason out front Yeah, 
so this New Year's Eve, this coming New Year's Eve would be 41. You're yeah. still playing I, the same place? Wow, that's great. Well, well, I don't know <laughs> I don't if KO's, so. I don't think KO's would, still there. It's a big no. I, I, do, I do have a record <laughs> entitled Right Back Where I Started, so. Yes, yes. <laughs> that would be perfect. That would be perfect, yeah. Common sense would tell you not to look to Joe and John for this, but time for life lessons from Joe and John. And the, the Scorchers, uh, so if, if you've never heard of Jason and the Scorchers, uh, describe how you guys dug country music, you guys dug the rock to almost punk side of things, and you combined the two, and you were really the first to put that on the map. It, you know, it's a weird thing. I was fortunate. My dad is retired military. My family moved here in 73. My parents were both musicians also, and I, I played drums in their country band, we moved to Nashville in 1973 to pursue a record deal for my mom. And that didn't really pan out for them, but it put me as a teenager in the perfect place in the late 70s. I met Joe Blanton and Jeff Johnson, and I'd already met, first person I met when I moved to Nashville was Perry Baggs. And we had started, Jeff and myself and Perry had started taking country songs, getting together in my parents' basement, drinking a little bit too much beer and just hopping them up, as <laughs> we called it. And my dad walked by one day and looked at us and said, you know, if y'all quit screwing around with that and actually got serious with it, you got something. You actually have something, a fish on the line here. Cut to Jason move, Jason Ringenberg moving to town, 1980-ish. Um he did two gigs. He put together a band, did two gigs. One of them was opening up for this little band named R.E.M. Mm-hmm. Little thing out of Athens, I believe. Little thing out of Athens. Yeah. The other one was... They didn't make it. Uh, Jeff, which Jeff Johnson saw that gig, told me about it, and I saw his next gig opening for Carl Perkins right. at Vanderbilt. And Jeff ended up auditioning to play guitar, didn't really know the country stuff well enough. Jeff's a great rock guy but he didn't really know the countryside well enough jeff started playing bass brought me in we had a different drummer guy named barry Feltz, who eventually left the band i brought in perry the band that everybody knows and our first gig was you know 81 of that become 82 on new year's eve and we we were just we were listening to Hank Williams and George Jones, but we were also listening to the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, and I, I still don't understand why the two of them can't go together. My dad used to have this <laughs> saying, and I loved it. He's like, there's no such thing as bad music. I mean, there's no such thing. There's good music and there's bad music, you know? He, there was things about Parliament Funkadelic that my dad dug. He dug the Rolling Stones. Listen to the way them boys weave those guitars. You know, it was it was it was cool to have parents that were that way. You know, and you were growing up digging, going to ACDC Absolutely. and listening to Black Sabbath I've and Zeppelin. Seen ACDC one hundred five times, paid one hundred and four. You know? <laughs> it's still uh, still the greatest. If they do a tour anywhere in the world this year, I will catch a show. That's so, terrific. Absolutely. So that was your vibe coming into all this. So well, had, I had you... an older brother, uh, older brother in 1970 that gave me, I, I had my parents cramming country music down my throat and their rock and roll. Jerry Lee, uh, Little Richard, still my favorite rock and roll is Little Richard. Mm-hmm. You know, God almighty, that voice is like a tenor saxophone, you know. Um, but... My older brother, one year for Christmas, I got Led Zeppelin one. Are you experienced in the first Sabbath record? Wow! And I lost my mind. Yeah. That that it was like, oh my God, this is on the table too. You know? Yeah. And those those first two Sabbath records are the birth of what is known as heavy metal. I mean, I I didn't go quite that far with it, but those those records as an eleven year old were scary. You know that first record that that the the you know. The, the rain and the chime. What is this that stands before? It's almost like a Frankenstein movie, you know? <laughs> yep. It was fantastic. It brought theater into rock and roll Abs- kind of. Where absolutely. You can become somebody else and be on stage and play it. Absolutely. And Zeppelin, you can't deny that stuff. Jimi Hendrix, my God, mm-hmm. you know? I, so it, that was just like, oh, wow, two different roads. And why can't they both, why can't we drive on both roads? Yes. It's been, uh, been my, I mean, I've got a, a, a cover of Sex Pistols cover on my new record that I dropped White Lightning by George Jones in the middle of the song. 
you know, we recorded it that way. And it's <laughs> like, why not? That, that, why, 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 well, it's because, yeah. It's why good, can't you? Yeah. Sure. Where's the rule book that says you can't do that? You know, that's impressive. It's great to have parents that, you know, because some uh, musicians and people that come, uh, their, their genesis is, 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 uh, uh, rebellion, getting away oh, yeah. from parents, getting oh, yeah. away from religion, getting away from, and you, in your household, your, your, your parents are like, yeah, do this. You know, right? how cool is that? I literally in 19, I, I quit drinking in 92. I had an alcohol problem and I literally got fired by Iggy pop for having a drinking problem. I show, okay. showed up to a rehearsal, let's say not in the best shape. Mm-hmm. And my drinking buddy, Iggy pop fired me on the spot. I called my mom. I got a job. I was living in L.A. I got a job. I cut my hair. I got a job. And I, my, the conversation went, you cut your hair. You got a job. Who we, are you? We raised you better than that. <laughs> you know. It, and basically, the long story short was get back up on the horse. Yeah. Is where it, I had my parents. It was I had such a cool dynamic because I was a son, but I was also... You know, those early years in Nashville, one weekend I was the bass player, the next weekend I was the lead guitar player, the next weekend I was I was the drummer. I was the utility infielder of what is missing this week, you know, which was the greatest education sure. in the world. Playing, I played every weekend, you know. I even missed, I played uh, football at Cone High School and I missed a Friday night football game because my parents had a gig and I just didn't go to the game. I couldn't call in sick to the gig. Right. The football team didn't really have to have me. My football coach shows up at the gig that <laughs> night. No know? kidding. Yeah. And thank big fan. Thank God. Thank God it was just never mentioned. I thought to myself, well, Monday I'll be running for the next yep. two years. Right. Yes. Yeah. It was never mentioned. Yeah. I know he, saw he got me. it. That's cool. He, it just was never mentioned that I wasn't at the football. Well, game. P- p- by, by the way, he never called your name on the sideline, and you didn't come in either. No, <laughs> just, no, no. I, I, just, I, I played, just, but I wasn't the greatest yeah. player. I, 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 I wish I could have played at the size I am now. I mean, I was, I was. He was small and slow, but he was a hell of a drummer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> We've had several people on business, music, whatnot. Yeah. Uh, you just touched on it. So the drinking took you over in a phase. And yeah. that early phase of uh, the rock block and gold rush and those eras of uh, oh, yeah. every no one got up before one in the afternoon and no one went to bed before four or five at oh, night. Uh, that was a rough, that was the 80s. Um, talk about that era and how it came around to you because it really took a toll on you personally, I think. Well, you think, First off, the accident thing. Here's you a, a prime example of that. The other night, I, I guested with Driving and Crying. I played yes. with Driving and Crying for three or four years. They played their last show at the accident, I think last Friday night. Yeah. And they called me up and asked me if I'd come guest with them, play a couple songs. I knew where this was going. It's like, yes, Kevin, Kevin Kennedy, Kenny. Yes, Kevin, I'll come play. Third song, he gets me up and I'm up the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I love the guys. I love playing with them. <laughs> but we've, we're finishing up, loading out. It's like 10 minutes till midnight and the young sound man's complaining about how late it is. And I looked at him, I went, oh, dude, dude you have I no can't idea. tell you how many times we didn't start here yes. until 12.15, 12.30. And we'd play right up to three o'clock. That's it, you know? And then we go to a party somewhere, yep. you know, and I, I don't know what happened to me. You, you know, the lifestyle, Joe, what job do you have where it's not only is it accepted that you're drinking at work in those days, it was expected sure. that you were going to be drinking at work. And one day I just came to and realized I had a drink in my hand the entire time I was awake all the time. Yep. Most of the time I didn't buy it. Didn't have to, you know, but it cost me a marriage. It cost me quite a few things, you know, and thank goodness one day I come to at somebody's house I didn't know and it was just like wow this has got to stop and I had a buddy who had been sober for a while that I found his number in my pocket went to his house fell apart in his living room he took me to an AA meeting that evening and I haven't had a drink since September 24th of 1992 that's fantastic and that's the best thing ever happened to you, me <laughs> you thought your playing was good but being sober 
you realized uh, how much better you can be. The other, the other thing with that, the Scorchers, that was in one of our many hiatuses through the years. And Jeff Johnson, the original bass player, and Jason the Scorchers put the band back together about that time. And he kept calling me, wanting me to do shows. He had found an agent that wanted to do shows. Uh, EMI had released a best of Jason and the Scorchers for the first time of God knows how many. (laughs) And I kept turning him down. And finally, one day I said, look, I'll do it. I I can't sound check. You know, I'm going to play the shows, get in my car and leave. I got to have a guitar tech. I can't spend one minute in the club that I don't need to be there. Because I was scared. I'm yeah. scared. Uh, I'd been sober like five months. And I just didn't think I could go in a club and do it. By show five, it was like, oh, wow. You know, I got the, first off, the joy of playing music again. I had ruined it for myself. I got that beautiful joy of, wow, I love doing this back. And, oh, wow, I can actually do this and go home sober. I can, you know, which the gift. I got the gift back, you know, and... Been in thousands of clubs since. I got to admit, I don't go to a lot of clubs if I'm not working. I can, I just don't. Sure. You know, what do they call it? Don't hang out at the barbershop and you can't get a haircut. You know? <laughs> uh, I go if friends are there or if I've got a reason to be there, I go. If not, I'm probably going to be at home playing with my grandkids. You know. How many grandkids? Three. <laughs> Three. Oh. Uh, Winter, who's 10. My oldest daughter, Chauncey's daughter, Winter. And then my youngest daughter, Emilia, has uh, Elijah and Connor. Elijah's three, and Connor is eight months. And Connor and I did a five-mile walk this morning. We Wonderful. walk every day. So I never thought I'd use the word grandpa with him. Absolutely. And but I see dudes all the time. It's like you can tell. It's like, yeah, you're on the grandpa walk, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> do you – when you, just to, to put a, a bow on this, but uh, do you – see younger people come up and you see the, you know, the drinking and the, you know, just the substances and everything and go, man, do you try to be a mentor or do you go, Hey, you know what? You got to figure it out yourself. No, Uh, you you know what? Twofold. First off, it doesn't seem, of course, I also know I'm sober guy and they all know. So it's not around people, (laughs) even younger dudes that know me ain't going to come up to me with it, Mm -hmm. you know, but it doesn't seem to be as prevalent to me. Uh, and, it is a business, you know, hell, even Guns N' Roses got it together. There was just too much <laughs> money at to stake, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, there, Fine example. Exactly well, if they can get together. Well, there, there's also, in my 20s, I could do it, you know. I'd yeah. raise hell. I did, I did, in, you know, I wouldn't drink when we did shows. I would have my first drink when we went on stage that night because mm-hmm. I knew I drank too much. You couldn't, didn't have time during a show to get drunk, you know. Once the show was over, look out. Yeah. Party time, you know. And then the Dracula thing, you know. Yes. I'd, I'd be up all night. Like, but my joke was I had to beat the sun home. Yep. You know? <laughs> and I'd get up at the crack of two or three in the afternoon. That's it. And for years, we were on tour buses. So my bed was with me, you know. It was, uh, it's, and I was 20. I'm 63. Yeah, you, yeah. I'm 63 now. There's no way I could do what I was Yeah, the doing vessel is not what it what it once was. Absolutely. I brush my teeth and I go, these these teeth that I'm trying to they've been around 6 decades. Absolutely. And you know what? I need them to be around 7 decades. So, no, you're right. The vessel just you just cannot keep you can't keep that pace or or you or you would not have you wouldn't be a grandpa there's just yeah, there's just that's just no it's just physically not possible and now there there's so many you I mean I, I love playing i love getting to do what i do but you know I, I, we got kids i got a son and two daughters we got grandkids there's all kinds of real life responsibilities you got stuff and i to can't do. Yeah. let them down yeah you know? My wife, she works all the damn time. I can't let her down. I can't let them down. Yep. You know, that's well said. Uh, change gears just a little bit. Another great friend of yours is Dan Baird, singer of the Georgia Absolutely. Satellites. Absolutely. Another cool gig for you uh, was Homemade Sin. Absolutely. Uh, that we went was, about 13 years. And yeah. uh, what a rocking outfit that was. Uh, talk about, uh, so rewind once again. Yeah. Nashville in the 80s, um, was a rock capital 
uh, all the major labels were putting rock labels down here on Music Row. Um, you had the Scorchers leading the way, bands like Royal Court of China, Joe Blanton, yeah. who you alluded to earlier. The Georgia Satellites were, I think they're Atlanta-based, but they, yeah, were, but they were here. They were managed by ja- uh, Jack, Jack Emerson, Emerson. And our management company. Yeah, Jason Ringenberg is who took the cassette of Keep Your Hands to Yourself to our managers and went, you got to hear this tune. Hands to Terrific. Uh, they had a guy, a guy named Kevin Jennings, who's responsible for two bands. There's this band called the Black Crows that Excellent. Kevin also brought to everybody's attention. And the Black Crows started in Nashville's Mr. Crow's Garden. So there was... Well, well yeah, well, uh, Gorman, Gorman yeah. and uh, Jeff Cease. Yes. You know, Nashville guys. They were. And Nashville was happening. They were signing bands out of this city. And so you guys in the Georgia Satellites were... I kind of went together with that killer sound and uh yeah. rick richards on guitar oh, you two are really similar to oh, me rick, good lord what a guitar player so talk uh uh it's neat that you and dan years later came together and still kind of kept that vibe going it it's that's kind of a wild story because rick and i were running mates rick rick liked to imbibe a little bit too um, it's always good to have a running mate a that running uh, mate. Yeah, yeah. that has it? the same thirst level. What was it, Rick? As uh, you do, he used to say, "Guitar players, you got to find they they like staying out late in really dark places, and they're probably going to drink a little too much." <laughs> but that's what you're looking for in a guitar player. Yeah. Um, Dan, however, was not a mess, and Dan and I really didn't get along great in those days. I mean, he was Dan, no fun. Well, Dan knew if I was with Rick, bad things were going to happen. Uh-huh. You know. Um, and, but I always loved Dan. I always loved the Satellites. I loved that band. I loved Marl Magellan, their drummer. As far as I'm concerned, he's one of my four uh, Mount Rushmore drummers. Yep. You know, he's up there. Ian Pace, John Bonham, Marl Magellan, wow. and Phil Rudd are, wow. my, are my four. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I get to have a fifth head. I want Simon Kirk from Bad Company oh, free up there, too. Love him. You know, but it's um, Keith Christopher. Uh, who was playing in Dan's band, Homemade Sim, but the original Georgia Satellites, it was Keith's band. It was Keith and the Satellites before they were known as the Georgia Satellites. And I cut to years later, I get a call from Ken McMahon, who Ken played from the Dusters, played in Dan's solo band in Europe, and they had been playing with Stacy Collins. (coughs) And... Ken's wife was pregnant. She was due any minute. And he called me up. He says, can you sub this gig for me? Uh, it's a girl named Stacy Collins. I'm like, I don't know her music. He said, it's a female Jason, man. You'll, you'll, it's boogie stuff. She plays harmonica. It won't be a problem. And Dan's in the band. I went, Oh, Dan's in the band. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do it. You know, Dan and I got to playing together a little <laughs> bit. I ended up having him play on my first solo record. And he walks in the second day, sits down a bunch of CDs and goes, I'm going to Europe. Ken can't go. I need a guitar player. You're going with me. Oh, my. I'm playing 12 shows, and that's it. And I'm like, well, you know, can't we play 12 shows and see? You know, <laughs> by, by the end of the 12 shows, we were recording a record. Okay, and great. it was, you know, we did five records. It was a great run. I loved every day with Dan Baird was like going to Rock and Roll University. That's terrific. I thought I knew a lot of stuff. I've been doing this longer than him and Mo because I started so young. You know, we we used to joke about it in Homemade Sin when Keith was in the band. We had almost 200 years of rock and roll experience (laughs) in one band, you know. They were like at 46, 47 years. I've been doing it. I've been doing this now professionally 53 years, you know. At 10 years old, I was playing real gigs with my folks. So every day with Dan... You know, he man, you need to go listen to this Grateful Dead song. It's like, oh God, I don't like I don't the Grateful Dead. But I, I learned go check it out, and it'd be, shh, well, crap. All right, I get it. You know, <laughs> sure. He's forgot more rock and roll than most people will ever learn. Well, all this stuff is it Warner E Hodges yeah. on the web Warner E Hodges. Uh, you can find it dot com. A great website that you can find all the Warner solo stuff. Uh, cruise the the homemade sin era. 
I love going through that, man. It's a lot of great rock and Don't roll memories. The Bluefields stuff, and too. the Bluefields. I yes. bought that CD too off, the, off the website. That's what Joe Blanton. There's four of those, and they're they're great. And Steve they Gorman are. from the Black Crows is on the first one. Yes, and uh, that's crazy. And it's it, good stuff. Did, did your parents know their child labor laws? I mean, my God, do you were working at ten? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, bring yeah. bring oh, home dude. the bacon, son. Okay. And that was that was like pay the electric bill. That was bill. like four four sets a night. <laughs> and, just four. You know, that last set. As a 10-year-old, I'm back there at the drums like, oh, God. Making packs with God. My parents would make sure that was where the hopped-up stuff was. Last (laughs) set to keep me away. The hopped-up stuff. The hopped-up country. Let's get it hopped up. That's crazy. All right, we're going to go to another segment we have we call uh, questions, rapid-fire questions. Rapid-fire, 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 rapid-fire. You don't have to overthink it, but uh, uh, Joe, what do you got? You still, uh, what's what's in your CD player now? Nothing. Or on your Apple or wherever you're listening to? Uh, songs that I'm learning for uh, some Mott the Hoople and Mick Ronson stuff that I'm learning. Wow. We're doing a benefit thing for a super fan in Europe that passed away during COVID that they weren't able to have a memorial and I'm playing his favorite club, and that afternoon we're actually doing a mini set of just favorites of this guy named Mick Penn. That's he terrific. He was a Mott the Hoople queen guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's got a lot of queen stuff. Much as I love ACDC, the best rock show I ever saw was Queen in 1977. Awesome. Oh, Where was that? Uh, Municipal Auditorium. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely Un- religious experience. Re- religion. Yeah. That, actually, the two best shows I've ever... David Bowie, Scary Monsters was also there. And I'm not a huge... I wasn't a huge Bowie guy. Yeah. I became a huge Bowie guy. It was Both true. shows were magnificent. All right, here's here's my question, which I've not... This is kind of a new roster of random fire questions. I like this. This is going to be good. I've I've oversold it. I've oversold this. It's, yes. it's going to suck. It is. Um, uh, <laughs> If you weren't because you you so your your life has been music since you yeah. were you know yeah. cutting teeth, if you couldn't play music or perform music or write music, what would be your profession? What would you have gone into? What was Plan B, Warner? Uh, well, Plan B is probably I, I own a small construction company uh, that has saved my rear end three different times as a as an adult. You know, really, once during COVID, yeah, uh, I've. Built a lot of houses in Nashville, done a lot of renovation stuff through the years. Uh, when I sobered up, that's what I did when I sobered up. Um, I One time there was a point where my son was having some trouble at school, and it was like I was asked by my wife to be home a little more, so we kind of shut down the playing and was home a little more until we made sure that my son was going to college, not jail. Yeah. And uh, COVID, you know, what do you do? You know, it's... Uh, couldn't go play. So so I own a small construction company. If I could do whatever, probably history, teach history. I love history. No I read kidding. I read history constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite um uh, uh period? Mostly uh, World War II stuff, probably sure. because I, I was born in Germany. I lived in Germany a few times as mm-hmm. a kid and uh I've actually been able to see a lot of that, especially late 60s stuff that was still there, still tore up, you know, from World War II. Very cool. What's the best tip for being a dad? Dad? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Be open to what they want to do next. You know, uh, uh, wow. Learn. I've learned more from our kids, you know, He's going to be driving home and goes, damn, I should have said that. No, 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 no. I love the fact that he's being pensive. There's There's so many answers. My kids are so smart. Our kids are so smart, and uh, our grandkids are really smart. But just be open to the next experience. Sure. And I think he answered it just a second ago uh, when you said, I I needed to spend more time with him. Absolutely, absolutely. And how much that that actually generates, just being a part of their life where you can listen, and you didn't even know you were listening to them. I have, that is the one negative to being a traveling musician. Yeah, sure is. I'm never there when the shit hits the fan. Yep. Deb has to deal with it. 
all the time by herself. Now we've got adult children now. It's a little easier. Yeah. But there was a point where it's like, ah, oh, man. You know. I know it's tough. That's the hard part. Sure. All right. Give me a pet peeve of yours, Warner. Oh God. Little things in life. <laughs> yeah. The just little that nuggets. Like, that just breaking a shoestring. Uh, you know, little, <laughs> yeah, the, the little, oh, come There's on. Velcro for that, you dude. You and can, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I have a very short fuse. I get over it real quick, but mm-hmm. I pop at the drop of a hat. Okay. And I get over it real fast, too. I, my wife has a very long fuse, but once she gets mad, she's mad for days. <laughs> yeah. That's like, oh, we're in, we're in for seven days. Yeah. Hunker down. Hunker down. It's not yeah. going to be pretty. <laughs> I, I love asking that if you could give your 18-year-old self advice, yeah. what would that be? Don't go to the bar and drink. Plainly and simply, I threw away... 12, 14 years. I am fortunate. I sobered up way early in life. A lot of people don't. Yep. But uh, just don't drink. Don't drink. It was just a waste of time and money. It and is. I probably made some crappy business decisions in the wrong head at the wrong time. Sure. But it's hard to tell that person, don't do that. Absolutely. Because you're headstrong and I can handle it. Absolutely. We know everything. We knew everything oh, yes. when we were 18. I mean, it, what's the, the Travis Tritt 10 foot tall and bulletproof, man? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Travis Tritt song. Ugh. Give us a, uh, a favorite restaurant or a place that you kind of, uh, you know, Nashville has grown so much. It's got, you know, the landscape from foodies to bars and restaurants and maybe not bars. But, but, uh, you know what? I, I, I <laughs> love the there's a little place that's called East India out on Charlotte Pike. It's Ooh. just a little Indian sure. joint. Indian food has probably become my favorite food. Uh, I'm in Britain a lot. And if you don't like Indian food, you're going to go hungry. And, uh, <laughs> but there's this little Indian joint out on Charlotte Pike. And I have to say, I went there, I, I like ordered from there during COVID when they couldn't serve people. I was terrified that they were going to close down, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, uh, I love the fact that it survived out in West by God, Nashville. Yeah. It survived out there in, in, in Pegram. You, know, you were way out well, there. It, no, it's yeah. on Charlotte Pike before you get to, uh, before you get to Nashville West, but I okay. just didn't think they'd survive, right, sure. you know, and it, that's probably my favorite joint to go eat. Awesome. Um, I'm going to roll that into more of uh, what do you think? Not that questions is officially over. Will there be a Jason and the Scorchers reunion and possible tour? As you said, Guns N' Roses even worked it out. Uh, Oh, he's so on the fence. I don't know. Um, You don't have to name names, but can't, you know, we're all at that age where, eh, maybe just got one or two or three more. How about this? I would never say no. How about that? That's big. This is big news right here. Yeah. That's big news right there. It, uh, it, it's hard. You know, our last bass player, Al Collins, passed away yes. during COVID. At 60 years old, he had a massive heart attack and died. You know, it's horrible. Perry passed away. Perry's been gone for a long time. Our, we've got a great drummer that we use, but he lives in Stockholm, Sweden. You know, he doesn't <laughs> yeah. live in Nashville. But this is Music City. Sure. There are great drummers. There are great bassists here. Steve Gorman will do it. Steve Gorman will do it. Brad Pemberton will do it. Morrow Magellan will do it. All three of them have. That's big. You know. um, why, why, why do you get such good? Does Jay, does, you got it with the Scorchers and you're getting it with you. Why do they love it more overseas? Uh, I do think what's happened overseas twofold. The Scorchers, we had more success there than we did in America, yeah. honestly. Got to be honest. Uh, Satellites did too, even though they had serious success in America. They had massive success in Europe. Um, Managed to keep going back and doing shows. The the Europeans will let you get old, fat, and bald-headed as long as you keep doing good work. (laughs) You got to keep doing good work. But they'll let you get old, fat, and bald-headed. They'll keep coming as long as you do good work. The other thing, I think, honestly, and I'm starting to see it now in America – you know, Monday through Thursday, we'll play at 7 o'clock. Yes. People can come to your show. We'll play two, two and a half hours. They can still be home by 10 o'clock. There's public transportation. They can come, have a great time. They don't have to drive home. They can take the tube home or whatever and be at work tomorrow. Yeah. You know, Friday and Saturday night, a late show starts at 9, 9.15. 
that's like, wow, man, we're going to be up till midnight tonight, you know? But I think that has a lot to do with it. My fan base is close to my age. There's some younger people. I've got a 28-year-old guitar player that is amazingly hot, a guy named Ben Marston. And we're starting to get some younger people because he's in the band. That's terrific. You know, you talked about, you mentioned Simon Kirk, the drummer for Bad Company. And uh, my engagement to this is what I'm going to do my in my life was 1978 municipal auditorium desolate desolation angels tour I was there the lights go down and this smell came up I'm like what the hell is that yeah. which would be the influence of reefer for the yeah. next 30 years around me and uh when when uh, rock and roll fantasy hit and the drums came through the mains in the mm-hmm. PA. I was back in section B three, which is where you wanted to be. Cause you were back and you could catch the whole thing. I was like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Absolutely. And it's just the best feeling in the world that we all get in whatever business we go dude. into that you go, Oh, that's fire. There's also two Simon Kirk moments, dude. First off, he deserves to be Simon Kirk, the drummer from free and bad company he deserves to be in the rock and roll hall of fame for nothing else. All right. Now, the drum track on it is fantastic. Yeah. There was no cut and paste. He did that. Sure. Second one is the flam at the top of Can't Get Enough. Yep. Greatest rock flam of all time. That's it. You know, far as I'm concerned, home run ball. I'm just gonna leave you two alone. I'm gonna leave. I'm sorry. Okay. Drummer, drummer. This is gonna get. This is gonna get. Re- you guys are getting really intimate right now. Uh, drummer speak, man. This I'm is sorry. drummer. This is like drummer porn right now. This is like you guys are. You guys are. Well, you guys I've, are into I've it. But I, I become, could see that. I've become real good friends with Mick Ralphs, the guitar, the guitar player, player from sure. Bad Company. He was also yeah. in Mott the Hoople. Uh, left Mott the Hoople because they wouldn't let him write songs. So he formed this little band with Paul Rogers called Bad Company and had five top ten hits in America on yeah. his first record. Yeah. Still to this day, him and Ian Hunter from Mount the Hoople, when they get together, Mick will look at him and go, well, you know I can't write songs. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I had a brush with greatness, and you guys, this, we'll, we'll edit this out because it's such a stupid story. But Your story? Uh, uh, when, when uh, uh, the guy from Free left and they got uh, Richard um, Howe, uh, uh, Richard Howe, who, who was the who was the singer of Bad Company after Paul Rogers after, left? Yeah, oh, oh, yeah oh, that, I don't know. It was that how Robert Howe. Rep, 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 I know that? what you're talking about. Anyway. That, it was a total different direction. It's like when 38 Special went in a different direction. And they did a kind Mark of a played. super group or something that, that right. sounded that was I, stupid. Uh, dude, how homework. do you how do you replace Paul Rogers? You don't. Yeah, well, no, yeah, it's just it was yeah. a total different. Yeah. But him and, and uh, uh, Richard Johnson of, of ACDC were in Fort Myers. I was a sportscaster there. They had a celebrity golf tournament. Oh, Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I yeah, knew it was. Yeah. That's okay. So, uh, uh, and we, I got paired with them. I mean, yeah. you talk, to play really? golf. Really? Oh, it was just, oh, I couldn't dude. understand them. Yeah. Oh, Brian, and I'm like, what? I know. I think he said nice birdie putt. I'm not sure what, what, but it was, it was anyway, it was a very, you know, being, being in my twenties and going like, you know, I didn't, sure. and I don't have a picture of that Well, because he, there didn't have an iPhone. John time. worked in Fort Myers and my wife also knew Cliff Williams. Cliff Williams lives Abs- down in the Fort ab- Myers area. Absolutely. And so he just like was a normal guy at the coffee shop. And I was like, you don't realize what he has seen through his eyes looking out on the stage and the have, thunder he's Have you creating. ever heard the John Wheeler from Hacy Dixie story no. about ACDC? No. You know, they did their first little record. They covered it was covers. A cover, uh, and it was a whole bunch of it was ACDC yes. stuff. Cut to one day he gets a phone call. It's Cliff Williams is getting married. And Bass player from ACDC. From ACDC. Yeah. And they want Hacy Dixie to play <laughs> the wedding. Oh, my. <laughs> right? And he's like, First off, it's like, oh God, they're they're getting ready to sue me. Right. They've not paid anything. They just want to see you in person and, and, and Cliff, serve you the papers. Cliff yes. tells him he said, you know, uh, they they had cut Highway to Hell, you know, or Hell's Bells, and it had a bicycle bell, cling cling, ah, you know. And he uh, told him he said, yeah, we had really gotten tired of that song uh, until we heard your version. Now we listen to it every night before we go on stage. <laughs> you know? And so Cliff asked him, give me a number. I want you to want you to play my wedding. He John gives him the number $1,500, and Cliff comes back with, come on, mate, I'm in ACDC. Come up with a better number. You know, and John was like, wow, the guys. But so they get $5,000 for said gig. They show up to said gig. It's the five members of ACDC. Nobody else there. 
they have to play just for the oh, five guys in ACDC. That's great. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's like all they want to hear is ACDC stuff. That's that's uh, fantastic. That's weird, man. That's good. That is that's a good story. All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna finish Do with this. Uh, we 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 finish uh, with something called um, Tim Buck Three. Uh, you got to wear shades. Okay. Uh, and so then there'll be a little stinger there, Warner. But um, yeah. uh, so we like to have this show as kind of a day brightener. So uh, you've given some great advice, some life lessons. It's uh, anybody that. That, that has listened to the last 45 minutes would go, okay, I've got, I've got some, some, some stuff. So I hope I, I hope the tank is not empty. Absolutely. But, not. but, but some great advice or great thought or something you saw on a bumper sticker or something that you went, yeah, I, this is going to make somebody's day a little bit brighter. <laughs> something that's going to make somebody's day. A We're going to drop this. Oh, no, 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 no. I'd tell you flat out. The thing to do is to put on heat, uh, put on, uh, um, shoot the thrill by ACDC and hit the gas pedal. That's exactly what I'd tell and you. And live life like that in brilliant I, colors. Absolutely. Hit the gas pedal, look out for the blue lights. You know? <laughs> I think that has been the best advice we've had yet. Shoot the thrill. And uh, Castle Donington. In the old days, you'd have the equalizer under the dash. You'd hit the button Absolutely. and boost that. Get it through the Jensen triaxles that you got pumped up in uh, your car. There's just the best thing my, in the world. My truck, dude, I, I can I can hit you with, oh, my God, in my truck. That's still. perfect. Absolutely. That kind of music's not supposed to be listened to at talk, talking volume. Well, let's end on a, I want to tell a Warner story, uh, which is just what a great guy he is and how much he loves uh, rock and roll and bands and helping people out. Uh, Government Cheese had not played in some 20 years, and we had our first gig at the Rutledge, which was downtown. I think it's Martin's Barbecue now on a, a fourth or something. Is it 328-ish? Ish. At that era. In, in that era. Uh, yeah, down uh, on second. Way or? beyond that, 328 was gone. When this Sobro is, uh, was, you wouldn't walk in Sobro. Sobro. No. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that makes, does that make your hair? I'm sorry. I didn't mean, I'm sorry. I remember when it was South Nashville. Broadway. I remember when it was Nashville. That's it. You have I to have know. titles now. It was East Nashville. Sure. But we had, uh, it was sold out. <laughs> packed house and our guitar player tommy womack calls us maybe about four o'clock he's in the hospital and uh i was oh, there that night yeah so oh, i saw you play we had that was the best gig hold, we, holding on with both hands oh my Thank god you, viva we had nothing and so tommy's in the hospital so we think he's in the hospital and Emerge Warner Hodges. To, I, I had to, been asked I was going to play Can't Help you, Myself. You were going to come guys. up and play Can't Help Myself, no, a I, great Scorcher song, which just we can't even play it as fast as they did. And so Warner was already going to be there. Well, just like the uh, Driving and Crying story, uh, do you mind playing the whole show? And he didn't know any of the songs, but yeah. how hard can a government cheese song uh, like Camping on Acid be to play? And our other guitarist is Viva, Viva Las Vegas. Absolutely. And so uh, Viva kind of shadowed and showed Warner what was going on. And fast forward, Tommy does come back, but he's frail. But Warner plays the whole show. And I want to tell you, you elevated us to a level. I don't think I had blisters for weeks. Uh, oh. We were just, we cranked it. And you were such a gentleman to step in. It was a great night. I was glad that Tommy made, I mean, that was a big show for you guys. It was. You know, you guys had sold out the Rutledge. You hadn't played in 20 years. Nope. And it was like, oh, wow, man, somebody's going to let all the air out of the beach ball. Yes. Uncool. Well, <laughs> what can I do to maybe help keep the air in the beach ball? What was cool was Tommy shows up yeah. with his hospital bracelet. Absolutely. <laughs> he didn't even, he did. I, I'm thinking he didn't officially check out. No. He just said, F it, yeah. I'm getting to yeah. the show. Absolutely. Right? Would that That's be Tommy? Classic Tommy, though, you know? <laughs> it was. <laughs> I, and uh, I Warner, think he's got an IV hooked up. Warner him. elevated the cool. He was in full rock and roll <laughs> regalia, and uh, it was just a great night. And it was just a, a after loving your music for years to have you on stage. On you a know, night. you know what I remember about that night? <laughs> that was great. I had I had my amp, you know, and all that. Somebody, one of the guys in the band, had set a a sixteen ounce Paps Tallboy on oh. my on my amp. Mm. Like, no big deal. I never noticed it. I was holding on with both hands, just trying to help a brother out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I got when I got home, there was a picture of me with a close up of my amp. With Warner started drinking again. Yeah. Oh. You know, and it, I got hundreds of 
don't wow, do man, it. Wow, man, uh, really? No, you can't. You know, it was like, no, guys, I didn't even know that beer was there. <laughs> yes. You know, but I I could hear my, in my head, it was like, oh, yeah, those are the excuses you're going to hear, yeah, that's aren't you? funny. Yeah. I can testify, no, no drinking was done with from Warner that <laughs> not, night. Not at all. Absolutely not. At all. not. But it was, it was just hilarious. I guarantee I got 250 inquiries. <laughs> well, you know. I, let me tell you, this has been great because I, too, um, uh, I love classic rock and roll. Uh, September 1st, 1976, uh, eighth grade year. Um, I'm, I'm a member of the Kiss Army. Absolutely. And, and the warm-up band was, and they had just put out the double album, was Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Absolutely. Band. It was, it was, I don't, it didn't get any better than that. You I just know, like. In those days, Bob was the only guy that really could play with Kiss because Bob was like, here's my rock and roll. Yeah. No blow them up, no smoke, no mirrors. Right. And Kiss was... Could do gonna, their thing. We're going to blow everything up. Yeah. And the two of them worked together. Yeah, that, that, that worked out. That worked out. Very well, you know, you might, you might not know this. The back pick of, of the Kiss Alive record. Yeah, at Cobo the Hall. Dudes, the dudes are yeah. holding the... That's, You're that's one a, of them. That, no, no, that's <laughs> a Bob Seger show. That that picture was taken out. Are you kidding Absolutely. me? Absolutely. Because yeah, Bob he Singer played. Show. He played. Yeah, Absolutely. Detroit audiences are the best rock and roll audiences in the world. Detroit, dude. Yeah, I've known that for ten years. What was your favorite Kiss song? Oh, you know, I'm I'm kind of old school. I can do I can do Black Diamond. Uh, Cold Gin is really good to me. Um, right. And and you know, I think Strutter and Deuce back to back. You know, Ooh, when things wow. start there, and then you go hotter than hell, then you go Firehouse, then you go. Um, yeah, blaster caster, your blaster caster. Yeah, so they they kind of lost me in the in the in the mid eighties. But I was sure. I was my my confirmation name as a Catholic. My full name is John Dwyer Gene Hamas, and Gene was after my father. That was his middle name. Oh no, it wasn't. Uh-uh. It was according to him, yeah. and so they, he never put two and two together that that I uh, you know. You like the, to spit blood, and you were the Kiss Army. I was a Kiss Army, anyway. So we could, <laughs> but and just just one last memory. You talk about hearing songs um, when we had an eight track. Mark Teppi, he was two years older than me, and I was fourteen. He's sixteen, and he had an eight track, and he got um, Van Halen's uh, uh, De- uh, "Devil Diver Down." No devil. Uh, what's the what's the what's oh, the first cut? Running, running, running with, with the, the devil. Running with the devil. You yeah. put that in and you crank it. Absolutely. And you just do not talk on the way to school. Sure. Yeah. It was just bass yeah, and everything. It's just such good stuff. And can I, I can do, I tell my kiss story real quick? Oh yeah. yeah. Few years ago in Spain, Dan Baird and Homemade Sin is opening. It's us slash slashes Snake Pit or something like that. Kiss playing the Spanish Spanish festival. Um, we sound check. Nobody tells us that during the opening act sound check is when the kiss guys have to dem- demonstrate all of the bombs and the smoke and the fire and stuff for the fire marshals. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's become a joke with their crew guys that the opening act doesn't know this is going on. <laughs> so we're sitting there sound checking, you know, it's like four in the afternoon. It's 110 degrees anyway, outside. We're not playing until that night, but, Keith, Christopher, and I are standing there just kind of going through the motions. Soundcheck is the most boring thing. You never want to be at soundcheck. Mm-hmm. There's just no excitement whatsoever. How That's do why we, you started how, drinking. How do we get this over with? Get you don't want to waste check. any energy at soundcheck. Right, right, right. But Keith and I are playing, and all of a sudden it goes from 110 to 3,000 degrees. <laughs> and we turn around, and the whole back of the stage, as high as you could see, was fire, you know? And it... it it was just scary. We go to singing, all of a sudden bombs are going off, flash pots, all this stuff. Cut to, we've played, we've done our thing. After you play with Kiss, they empty the backstage. Nobody is allowed to be backstage because if you're in the wrong place, you can get killed mm-hmm. at a Kiss show. Even Slash and his guys had to leave, right? We go to our hotel that's three miles away. I'm in a really nice hotel. About two in the morning, I'm dead asleep, and I hear I come up out of the bed. It was like they were in the living room of my room. 
And I got up. And it was like, wow, there ain't going to be any sleeping during this. You know? so no. Hit the coffee maker, opened up my balcony door, went out on the balcony, and I enjoyed Kiss from two miles away. That's great. That's it sounded funny. like they were downstairs in the park. Oh, what a great story. And I love Spain because of that. Sure. It was two in the morning. Nobody cared. Doesn't matter. You know? That's a great story. Absolutely. Ah, Warner, you have such great history and you look terrific. And oh, thank you. Uh, congratulations on uh, this future Europe tour that's coming up Absolutely. again. Absolutely. October, 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 I go again. Okay. So, folks, WarnerEHodges.com, you can check out on it. Uh, get oh, some and of the I, CDs. Do, I yeah. do have a Nashville show. Okay. September, uh, September 15th, I'm playing East Side Bowl. Okay, wonderful. I don't I've been know. out there. That's kind of cool. Venue. I haven't been there yet. You're going to like it. It's fantastic. You're going to like it. Yeah. It's not, it, it doesn't sound like, I mean, you don't know you're in a bowling alley uh, yeah. because of the way the stage is set. Cool. You're going you're gonna to rock well, that. Shark, that's going to be good. Shark and we'll put that down. did that. The guy from Family Wash and Shark. So I'm yeah. sure they did. They took every consideration yeah. known to man. Sounds build good. It for, build it for the musician. Absolutely. That's yeah. always nice. And be, I love their, what's their slogan at the east side? That be nice or leave. <laughs> It's a great slogan. That is. Be, be right not, to the point. Be nice or leave. Oh, Didn't it, uh, uh, Shark, Shark had the greatest, uh, who was it? The uh, oh God, Lux Interior and Poison Ivy. Uh, what was that band called? Oh, you're going to get me on that oh, one. I can't remember the name of the band. They were showing their ass at Soundcheck, and Shark literally walked up, said, how much is your guarantee? Wrote him a check, handed him a check. Good said, for Get him. out of my club. Oh, my wow. gosh. I'm not going to have you push my people around. How about that? Good I for like him. that. Paid them and sent them on their way at Soundcheck. Like, <laughs> there you, you go. Pull that, you can get pull out. that off in Nashville. What's Hell the Johnny yeah. Cash line? I got better things to do than to push a road crew around for two hours every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't do sound checks? Ah. All you need is a case of water, four towels, and electricity. Electricity, that's yeah. all you need. I love it. We're going to end <laughs> on that. And my manager would, would uh, add, and money. And money. And a better <laughs> paycheck. Bring the dinero. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Thank you for asking. It's been, uh, it's just been great living some rock and roll history here, and you still got a lot of years left in you. I hope so. I ain't planning on quitting now. Yeah. Warner E. Hodges, right here. On Thank you second, for joining. I'm the second cup of Joe and John. It's the second cup of Joe and John as their guests expound on any and all topics within the realm of decency. Want to be a sponsor? Let a TV and radio guy help build your business. Email the show, second cup of Joe and John at gmail.com. Now, hold on tight and grab another second cup of Joe and John.